This is my uh, my favorite time of year. We're leaving uh, leaving my house uh, on a prayer walk. Uh, this is what I typically do for my prayer walk. It's my favorite time of year uh, because my prayer walk just kind of lines up with the sun rising, and uh, it's just that when I when I pray, when I get to the bay down there, and uh, I, it's timed perfectly to to see the sun rise. It's just a reminder of how big God is. Uh, it's a reminder of the vast nature of God. It's a reminder that no matter what's going on in life, that my God is big, he's alive, he's for real. And uh, it's not always like that. Sometimes in the wintertime, it gets kind of gloomy. Uh, it's dark. I don't get down there. It just, it remains dark. And it's not like the sun doesn't rise. It just rises differently. It's not the reminder's not there. It's just, it's not there when I want it there. It's the, it's the circumstances that have changed. And now all of a sudden I don't, I don't see the sunrise. Sometimes I get down there and there's a, there's a vast nature, like vast clouds and I don't, I don't see the sun rising, but the sun still rises, right? Like it's still, the message of hope is still there. The, 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 the meaning of it is still there, but it's, it's not there as I want it to be there. And I think that is what we have this Easter season. There's many of you watching this right now where you know the hope of the resurrection. You know the timeless nature of resurrection, but for you it's that, it's that once a year mentality. You feel it now, but has the hope of the resurrection been there the whole time? Yes, it has. And, uh, and, and today is just the day where, where you're feeling it. Now there's been circumstances. Now there's been a year since this last Easter. Life has turned upside down and we're no longer feeling the hope of the resurrection, but it's, it's still there. The sun is still rising. It's just not rising as we've been accustomed to seeing it. This, this might be the only time of the year where, man, now you're pulling back on an old faith. You grew up. You know the nature of the resurrection. You know all this. But Easter is the one, the one time of year where you muster up enough strength to pull, pull your family together to, to bring, bring them into a portion of your life that was there of old, but now you're bringing them into it on Easter. It's... It's an age-old truth that for you has not become the truth of the day. And so what do we do? Is this really a timeless truth? If it's a timeless truth, then it matters all the time. What I want to do is I, I want to I look at a guy named Paul. And I think what he's going to tell us this morning, what he's telling us this Easter season, is that the, the, the timeless, timeless truth holds timeless value. If, if, if truth is timeless, then a timeless truth holds timeless value. It's present all the time. It's, it's always relevant. So this guy named Paul, so you, you go into the New Testament and uh, you see the Gospels and the Gospels are, are four accounts of Jesus' life told by eyewitnesses or told by people that talk to eyewitnesses. Then you get to Acts and you meet this guy named Paul. In, in the book of Acts, he's often referred to as, as Saul and Paul. And, uh, and, and he, he was persecuting the church. He was a very bad man and uh, persecuting the church, looking to kill people, looking to kill Christians and whatnot. Thought he was doing it all in the name of God. Uh, but God knocked him off his donkey and uh, he had an encounter with Jesus. And uh, in his encounter with Jesus, uh, he turns into a follower of Jesus and starts writing, writing letters and, and making new churches, uh, starting new churches. And, and in the town of Corinth, a city of Corinth, was one of these churches. And so he, he uh, writes this letter to Corinth. Uh, in the, so that's where, we get, that's where we are, 1 Corinthians. And so in chapter 15, he, he, uh, he says this, now, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, uh, uh, to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He, he's talking to these people that, that once knew the resurrection, that, that now maybe are seemingly wavering. But, but if they get to the point where they're rejecting the resurrection, 
To reject the resurrection is to reject Christ. Every, everything hinges on, on this truth. We bank our, our eternity on this. Like you and I, like when we think about like, there's really two options. There either is an eternity or there is no eternity. You either die and you just go the way of the earth or, or there is a resurrection. But, but have you ever talked about the afterlife with anybody where, where they are banking everything on the fact that they can resurrect themselves? Have you ever had a conversation like that? Like somebody that's like, yeah, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have eternity because I'm powerful enough to resurrect myself. Like no one in their right mind like, lives like that, thinks like that, like lives with the hope that I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect myself. That's not something that you hear people saying. But that for followers of Jesus, we bank our eternal hope in Jesus Christ because he was the only one that says, hey, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back three days later. And then he pulled it off. See, a follower of Buddha once said, when Buddha died, it was, it was with that utter passing away in which nothing would ever remain. So that when Buddha died, all hope was lost. Muhammad died in, in Medina, June 8, 1632, at the age of 61. His tomb is visited every single year by thousands of Muslims. They come to mourn, not celebrate. Yet here we are, Easter morning, celebrating something. Celebrating that my Jesus died and rose again, and in him we have victory. Every Easter is a celebration, not a time of mourning. And so timeless truth holds timeless value. So that's a big statement. What do we do when we make a big statement? What do you, it's, it's 2020. What do we do when we hear something kind of outrageous? We go to Google. We search it. We, we, we fact check it. Like, is this really for real? Is this really what, like, is this really all it's cracked up to be? We, we fact check it. And so I, I want to look at it in that way. Here's, here's a, if you were to Google the gospel, which is something that, like, I hope that we have an understanding of today. If you Google the gospel, it's a revelation of Christ. That hasn't changed. That's a timeless truth that holds timeless value. The, the, the gospel hasn't changed. And so here's what it says. Here's, here's the search. The search, a timeless truth holds timeless value. Here's, here's the search. Here's, here's the message. It says, for I deliver to you as of first importance, that this message is of primary importance, that which I also received. So Paul isn't teaching these people, isn't telling these people something that's, hey, good for you, but not good for me. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with with the scriptures. He talks about the scriptures, and so for the people reading this, their scriptures would be for us, if you, if you adhere to the Bible, for us it would be the Old Testament. I want to read you portions of a, of a, of a chapter. Because uh, the Old Testament, written much, most of the Old Testament, written thousands of years before Jesus entered onto the scene, screams of Jesus. Like, think about that. Something written thousands, like, imagine reading something from 2,000 years ago that would be talking about the pandemic in 2020. That would blow your ever-loving mind, wouldn't it? And here's something that screams Jesus. It's from Isaiah 53. I'm not gonna, it's not going to be necessarily word for word. I'm going to read different portions of it. But it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds we are healed. It, it's, it's screaming of the crucifixion. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And yet he did not open his mouth. That's a big portion of the crucifixion, that Jesus Christ remained silent through most of it. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. He made his grave with wicked. And, and, and a rich man in his death, a, a very rich man, gave Christ his tomb. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. And, and yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put 
put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. See, the fact is that Christ died for our sins. Here's the proof. There's scriptures that prove it, scriptures that speak of it, but then there's also a barrier. No one really ever de debates that Jesus Christ existed. No one ever really debates that, that, he, that he died. There's the historical irrefutable evidence, the, the resurrection, what is, what's debated, debated, so there's, there's that fact. The fact is that, that Jesus rose from the grave. What, what's, the script, what, what's the proof of him rising from the grave? Well, you have the scriptures speak about it, but then you also have the eyewitnesses that we'll, that we'll get to in a second. But here's, here's the message. Here's the search. Here's, here's, here's why, does this, why does this happen? It happens because he died so that we would have forgiveness of sin. Eternally freed from the penalty of sin. It says that the wages of sin is death. That, that God has a standard of holiness that he lives, that he sets. And he makes it really, really simple. You fail to live up to the standard of holiness, then I bring the wrath of God upon you. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to purify you with the wrath of God. Because you haven't been holy and pure. And so in, 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 in church world, we call this something really fancy called substitutionary atonement. And what that simply means is that I can't be perfect. And so I need somebody to be perfect in my place and die in my place. So Jesus Christ, why is this all important? What is the search? What, what are we finding out here? That Jesus Christ lived and, that, and then he, as a perfect man, so he could die in my place. The, the wrath of God wasn't upon Jesus because he was perfect. He dies in my place. So your sin demands God's wrath. And it happened. For those that put faith in Jesus Christ, God satisfied his wrath for my sin in the person of Jesus Christ. I place my faith in that. And God is now satisfied with me because he's satisfied with Jesus. This truth changes everything. I want you to hear now from Janine. Uh, so I am with Janine, and, uh, and so Janine, uh, you uh, came to mind with, uh, with really a recommendation from Laura Milan, who's gotten to know you, and uh, so I just wanted to hear a little bit about your story, uh, and first, really just life before Jesus. What was life like before meeting Jesus? Wow, it was very dark. It yeah. was very dark. Um, I, I was... Well, I still am an introvert, but I'm an introvert, and my life before Jesus was, um, I was filled, every day I was filled with anxiety and depression, and I didn't fit in anywhere, and I always felt like I was this square living in a world of circles, and, um, and it was, it was so, um, it was just so dark, you know, I just, I, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere, and it was just, it was very lonely. It was very lonely. And, and I, I, from a young age, I remember wanting to fill that void with something. And, um, and then I turned uh, to drugs and alcohol when I got a little older. And that was filling my void. And, and, and people, people, like, if people felt like I was, I was good, then that, that made me feel good. I was a people pleaser. And I tried filling that void with things. You know, um, just anything that would make me feel better, and predominantly it was drugs and alcohol, and and eventually um, they they let me down in a big way because okay. everything that I tried filling that void with stopped working, okay. and then I was left at a point where I I didn't know what to do, and okay. it was just I was living in the deepest darkest hell of my life. 
All right, so thankfully, Janine and I, uh, we have an old life, an old life that is dead. Uh, so when you search, the, you, what we're searching, what we're finding out is that, that Jesus talks about this. He, he talks about uh, that I've come to give you a new life and life to the fullest. That means the old life is dead and that you have a new life. Janine talks about her old life there, her old way of, of doing things and, and how, how we can be alive with Christ. Paul, in chapter 15, will go on to, to say this. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is fruitful and, and, and you are still in your sins. Then those who are who have um, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are all people to be most pitied. So my point in bringing up what Paul will eventually say, we're not going to really study that right now. But my point in bringing that up is is that Janine has an old life; she has now life in Christ, and and he talks about like if this is only relevant for the the this current life, then 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 we're to be pitied. But, but no, it's, it's, it's irrelevant for this life and the life to come. And, and, and that hit me as I read that because think about this. Here's the search. The search is that this is relevant now. The search is that this changes everything. Like right now, there's a pandemic going on. Right now, like there is no hope for so many people. I can't imagine. Like this impacts everybody on the planet. This pandemic is universal. Can you imagine walking through life without Jesus? And for many of us, that is the current reality. This is hard for everybody, but I pity the person going through our current situation without Jesus Christ. I pity that person. This changes everything. He goes on to talk about what we're going to call the review. So you, uh, timeless truth holds timeless value. Uh, you, you do the search, you see the gospel, uh, but, then, but then you also read the reviews when you're searching something on Google. Here's the reviews. And then he appeared to, to Cephas, which is a, a fancy way of saying Peter. Uh, uh, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five, 500 brothers at one time, uh, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and, and then to all the apostles. See, Resurrection was crazy then as it would be now. Like, if, if, you, if you heard of somebody being resurrected from, from a grave, from death, you'd be like, that seems pretty messed up. Like, you wouldn't really, it's unbelievable. So it was unbelievable then. It's unbelievable now. And so historically, like, like historically in a court of law, eyewitnesses have always been one of the most, uh, one of the most influential, one of the most uh, reliable sources of, of key, you know, key elements in a court of law. So, so for Jesus to, to pull this off and make it even then now believable, he has to have eyewitnesses. He has to show himself to people. Otherwise, like, he, he can't just say, hey, I rose from the grave. No one saw it. No, like there has to be eye, eyewitnesses. And so, and so, there, and so there, there were. He appears to Peter. Now, now, Peter's a big deal. He first shows himself to Peter after the resurrection. Why, why is this a big deal? Because it emphasizes grace, unmerited, unearned favor. Peter, Peter had forsaken Christ. That night where Jesus was getting arrested, Jesus said, hey, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter does it. Denies three times. So he had forsaken the Lord, but the Lord had not forsaken him. And, and so he had a focus on a disciple that denied even knowing him. Other rabbis, other religious leaders would have written Peter off. Would have said, Peter, you're good for nothing. Have nothing to do with me. Uh, but Jesus instead invests into him. Many of you return to Easter and it's the only time you muster up enough courage because you've been so awful to God. But this is the one time a year I have to put myself back into church. You feel like you've forsaken God. But you're not God forsaken. Your God so loved, and Peter's an example of that. He became an eyewitness to the resurrection of Christ. Then he appears to the twelve. And they would be used to turn the world upside down. Not one of them went to the grave saying, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it played out like this. 
You don't go to the grave thinking, I'm pretty sure. And, and you know what's so important about the 12 is that they could all be named. You can Google right now. Go ahead, Google. Google the 12 disciples. You can find all their names. And because they're named, they can easily be talked with. They can easily, uh, they can easily uh, be identified. They can easily, you can have a conversation with them. So they are a quality witness. But then he appears to the 500. Now that's, now that's not necessarily as quality because they're not all named. But now there's a quantity that Jesus would, would have meals with them. Jesus would interact with them. Now there's quality witnesses, there's quantity of witnesses, and, and these are, the 500 are, are people that the early church obviously knew of. Peter, or Paul, obviously knows of them. But then perhaps what's, what's mentioned here is one of the most convincing eyewitness accounts. His half-brother, James, who would go to be a leader of the church. You would not have thought of James as a leader of the church in Christ's earthly ministry. Why? Because in John chapter 7, like Jesus is known, like, hey Jesus, if you go back towards Jerusalem, they're looking to kill you. His, everybody knew that. That was common knowledge. And yet James, and along with his, his family, thought Jesus was to be crazy. And they, and they get to the point with Jesus, why don't you go into Jerusalem? Knowing that like, they thought he was a lunatic and they wanted him to die. They wanted nothing to do with him. What would it take? You got a brother or sister? What would it take you to be convinced that your brother or sister is the son of God? <laughs> Resurrection might do it. <laughs> and so he shows himself to James, and James goes from skeptic to believer. These appearances are real. They're not momentary glances. They're real. He had, he had meals with these people. He, they touched him. Why? To leave no doubt and to leave people without excuse. Here again from Janine. So how, how from that place did you come to know Jesus? Okay, so in 2005, um, a year before that I got clean and sober, uh, a friend of mine brought me to a Christian church. Now, I grew up Catholic okay. and was just very, that was the normal masses was what I was used to. And then I went to this Christian church and I saw people raising their hands and praising God out loud and just being loud you know, and, and looking so free and happy. And my first thought was they're freaks. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but, but like I said, I was still actively using at that time, but the feeling I got was, uh, I felt a little hope. Like I, I wanted what they had. I mm. wanted that free feeling of, of just happiness. Hmm. And um, so about a year later, I, I, uh, I got saved and I started going to a church and then God led this woman into my life who uh, told me about recovery. So I started working a 12 step program in 2006 when I got, uh, when I got sober and, um, and it's just, it's been absolutely beautiful. Like the journey mm -hmm. has been amazing. And um, it's like what the first thing I heard when, when I started, you know, having those feelings like, Hey, I, I think I want to change mm -hmm. was, uh, at that church. I heard, uh, the pastor say that God loves me no matter what I do, what I think, you know, and, and I didn't love me. So I'm thinking if, if God loves me, then why don't I love myself? You know? Amen. So, um, that's where my, my journey began. You don't go to the grave saying, I'm pretty sure. So these, these men, these apostles, these, these 12, the, the ones that, that had witnessed the, the resurrection, they went to the grave for this. They were eaten by lions. They were torn apart. They were set on fire. All the, they, you don't go to the grave saying, I'm pretty sure. Let me, let me ask you this. Where are your keys right now? 
short of you having them on you, uh, you're, you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to say, I'm pretty sure I know where they are. I'm, I hang them up on the hook all the time. Or I'm pretty sure I left them on my desk. You're, you're going to have some relative confidence of that you know where they're at. Uh, and so, so you would say, I'm pretty sure. But then what if, like in this scenario, what if a bad man comes to you and says, give me your keys? Uh, give, tell me where your keys are, or if you can't, like, if you can tell me exactly where they are, you live. If you can't, like, I'm, you know, blah, blah, like, if that type of a scenario, like, all of a sudden you're going to say, like, I'm, now it's going to be, like, where I was once confident where my keys are. Now I'm thinking, man, with, with kind of gun-to-head type of talk, like, huh, I don't know if I actually know where they are. And, and so you might start backtracking, you might start questioning, and, and what if it was, what if it, the scenario was, I either tell you exactly where my keys are, and I'm right and I live, or I, or I simply have to say, I don't know, and I can live that way. Then all of us are going to say, I don't know. Then all of us are like, like, I know my keys are hanging up on a hook at my house right now, but if, 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 I, if I can't tell you confidently, and if, if that becomes like part of the scenario, and then all of a sudden like, it's like, oh, all I have to do is say, I don't know, and I live, then I'm just going to tell you, I don't know, because it's really not worth it. So this scenario sounds stupid, right? Like this whole key thing, you're probably even confused with the key thing. Uh, the key thing sounds silly, but that's the point. Many looked at the early church as silly. Many looked at the early church as confused. Why are these Christians doing this? Here's, here's the point. The point is this. You would go to the grave if you are certain of the truth and if the thing that you're certain of has value to you. My keys have no value to me. I don't give a crap about it. But the person that Jesus has value. So if I'm confident of his resurrection, number one, but if number two, he has value to me, then I willingly go to the grave. And so these men and women willingly went to the grave because they saw something and it led to life change. So, so timeless truth holds, has, has timeless value. You, you do the search you, 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 read, you read the reviews, but then also, then now there's the blog post. Now there's, now there's the life change. He says this, last, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. You think, you think the church will burn down if you walk in one day? Guess what? Paul actually tried to burn down churches. So you know what? It's going to be okay. But by the grace, he mentions this word, grace of God. I am what I am, and his grace toward me, I, this, me, was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but it was the grace of God that is with me. Whether, whether, then, um, whether then it was, or, or I, or they, so we preach, and, and so you believed. See, all the other disciples, they were hand-picked. Paul looks at himself as one untimely born that that he wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't like the other disciples, that he was in the midst of persecuting the church. He was, he was formerly a hater. He was formerly vile and a persecutor. He, wasn't, he, wasn't, he didn't come to this whole apostleship thing like everybody else. He recognizes that without uh, intervention, he would, have been, he would have been hopeless. But God intervened suddenly and dramatically and, and, and brought Paul to, to saving knowledge of, of who Jesus Christ was. He deserved forgiveness so little. He understood that. He recognized his vile nature. And that's why he mentions grace three times. He mentions how awful his life was. What a, what a horrible human being he was. And then after mentioning how horrible he was, he mentions grace three times. Google grace. It means unmerited favor. Unearned favor. 
It means given favor. I've done nothing to deserve it, but I am given it. See, grace puts us on mission. Grace takes us from a place of, uh, of belief, of relationship, that Paul is now able, because he understands grace, he understands how, how he, little he deserved this and how God freely gave it to him, just showed up on the scene and gave it to him. He works. But now it's not a work, because he was a religious person, obligated to work, to, to earn him his way to heaven, obligated for that. But now he's no longer obligated. Now grace motivates him. Well, now this is a, this is a motivated work. Deeply aware of his sin. But it didn't drive him to a place of guilt. Because he understood grace, it drove him to loving faithfulness. Our mission statement is that we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. Our whole ministry is built upon that. It's motivated by the love of Jesus that has been shown to us that we get to go out into the community and show the love of Jesus to every single person that we interact with. Many have accepted this truth and endless more can. That's why we just got out of a series called Endless Growth. And in that value of ours, we believe that there is no limit to the amount of work that Jesus can have on me that every day I can wake up and be a little bit more like Jesus, a little bit more like Jesus, that I ain't perfect yet, but I'm striving to be. I want to be perfect because I love Jesus so much and his life lives inside me. And now I'm empowered to live that perfect life and to strive for that. But then the second part of that value is that there's no limit to the number of lives that Jesus can change. I don't care who you are and what you've done. I actually know I do care very much about who you are, but I don't care about who, what you've done. Jesus can have an impact on you. You still can come to know Jesus. A God who is all-powerful is powerful enough to save anybody from their sin. Check out the way Janine's story ends. Cool. All right, so, so the, dark, the darkness of it all, finding Jesus, finding that, that true joy. So now, lastly, tell me about life with Jesus and that apparent joy. I'm free today. I'm free from that bondage of alcohol and drugs and anxiety and depression. And, you know, I'm different. We're all different. And I, I, I learned through the word that, like I said, God loves me for me. And, and I don't have to, I, I just have to please him. That's all I have to do. And, you know, the, this, this, the, the simple fact that, that I'm sober today and I'm living a life that, that I love, like I'm no longer that outcast. You know, I'm God's child mm -hmm. and that's just, that's amazing. And, and I live every single day, every single day, I turn my life over to God and you know, I'm, I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle because I'm not that person before I gave myself to Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, you know, life's not easy. Life's not easy at all. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a single mother and I work full time and I try and balance my whole life as best I can. And I fail sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I know that, you know, I could, I have another opportunity to do it better. And I, <laughs> I just live for serving God, being of service and helping others. And, and God has always taken care of me, even <laughs> at my worst, even before I knew I had this, this relationship with him. He's always taken care of me. He always makes things work out. I just got to get out of the way and let God do his work. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool, kind of to wrap this up, it's cool to see just the testimony of living for yourself didn't bring the joy that you were looking for, 
live for God has brought that joy. And uh, that's even through the hardship. I mean, as a single mom, I can't imagine how challenging these times are that parents find themselves in. I mean, everybody finds themselves in, but um, so cool. Thank you. See, Janine, like Paul, deeply aware of their past, deeply aware of, of really two things, their past and God's, and God's amazing grace. Again, there is, there is absolutely nothing. You can't outsin the grace of God. A God who is all-powerful, a God who is able to raise the dead to life, surely can handle all of your sin. His love changes everything. It is timeless. The truth is timeless. Timeless enough to meet you here and now today. So what will you do with this truth? Is it, a, is it an age-old truth or is it, is it a truth for today? If it's a truth of today, here's what happens. You pause and you just simply accept it. You accept that you can't and that he did. And so right now, I, I want to pause on my walk and just invite you to pray. Invite you to say yes to relationship with Jesus. Invite you to, to say, you know what? I've not been perfect. Uh, I, I, my past has a vile nature to it. And if the standard is perfection, if the standard is complete holiness, I've already failed. Turn around with me for a second. Look, the... The sun, is, the sun is rising. You can't stop that sun from rising. You can't stop this moment. This moment is meant for you right here and right now. Is it time to say yes? Is it time to stop running? Is it time to stop doing life on your own? If that's your moment, then take it. Simply by calling out to Jesus. Let's pray with me. Say something like this, God, I'm sorry. God, I've not been perfect. I've not been holy. I've, I've failed to live up to your standard of perfection. And so, Jesus, I, I'm sorry. God, I understand your punishment. God, I understand your wrath. I understand that, that for you to be fair, you have to, you have to punish sin. So, God, I, I understand that I deserve it. But today, I in a weird way, I don't, under, I don't fully grasp why you love me so much, but why you would send your son. That, that, that verse that, that this pastor said earlier, that it was your will to crush him. Why? Because you love me. So God, I accept that you punished my sin in the person of Jesus. And that in him I have forgiveness. And I understand that when he rose from the grave, I gained life. Thank you, Jesus, for that amazing grace. And today I accept it. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you're on one of the platforms or you see, like you have like a little uh, interaction with a host or some comment sections, you'll see a form there that says, I said yes to Jesus. Would you fill that out? And we want to get in touch with you. We want to have a conversation. We want to follow up with you and tell you a lot more about what this means to follow Jesus. If you're on a different platform, like, a, like an Android TV, uh, or, or not an Android TV, what are those things called? The uh, Roku TV, Apple TV, those things. Apple's way better than Android. If you're on one of those things, uh, then simply email info at wellspring.one, and we want to get you connected that way. But let's, let's finish out our, our journey. We said a timeless truth holds, holds a timeless value. And... Uh, 
We said that you do the search. When you Google stuff like that, you do the search. We, we, we said that you do the search. Then, then you, we said that you read the reviews. Uh, then, then we talked about uh, how you read the blog post, and that talks about life change. So, so now what? So what do you do? Now what you do is you, you live like it's timeless. You live like the sun rises and it sets every single day. You live like that can't be stopped. It might be hidden. It might look different different times a year, but that can't be stopped. Today, as the sun rises, and it's maybe a cheesy illustration, but we celebrate the true sun rising. And that can't be stopped. That hasn't stopped. So you live like it's timeless. So, so what, what does the enemy do? The enemy tries to convince you that it never happened. And if that doesn't work, if, if he's unable to convince you uh, that it, it's, it's a lie, if he's unable to manipulate you in that way, what will he do? He'll supplant it. He'll, he'll make this something that's like, oh, you know what? It's a cool truth, but it's good only for once a year. It's a holiday type truth. It's a, hey, let's think about the birth of Jesus once a year. And you know what? That is a holiday type truth. The Bible doesn't focus in on, on Christmas like you and I focus in on Christmas. That's, that is a once a year type of truth. But the resurrection, everything hinges on the resurrection. Everything hinges on it. That's not a holiday truth. That's an everyday truth. And so the enemy tries to supplant it and make it a, a holiday-type truth. But for, for those that call on Jesus Christ, we don't live as if it's a holiday. For you and I that call on the name of Jesus Christ, this isn't a truth only good for a holiday. This is an everyday truth. We live like it's a, like a, an everyday holiday. We live like the power of the resurrection is, is impacting us on an everyday basis. So the, 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 the notion of truth, the thought, the, the thought of death, the thought of, of dying doesn't leave me without hope. The, the, thought of, the thought of dying doesn't take away my joy. Why? Because resurrection power lives inside of me. Because I know that if I die, I, I will be united with Christ. That Jesus is alive. That he is, that he is risen. See, see, our churches, see, our churches are empty. Like, like the grave is empty. There are so many that, that when Jesus was put into the grave, they thought all was lost. There is no hope. This is all for nothing. There are many looking at, at church buildings right now thinking the church is dead. But an empty church and an empty grave doesn't mean that Jesus isn't alive. In fact, it says the exact opposite. It says that the church is alive. It says that my Jesus is alive. It's a timeless truth that holds timeless value and it, it impacts us on a daily basis. If Jesus doesn't come back from the grave, then this is all for naught. If Jesus doesn't come back from, from the grave, then what hope do we have of this next life? If Jesus doesn't come back from the grave, this is a cool sunset and all, but I'm going to die as one with no hope. If Jesus doesn't come back from the grave, forgiveness of sin is cool and all, but if my God doesn't have power over death, what hope do I have in the future? See, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, and in him I have hope, but I also believe that I have eternal hope. And so we live as if it is a timeless truth. You know the best place to see a, a resurrection is not in a church. The best place to see a resurrection 
is by going to the graveyard. You, you want to see a resurrection? Go to the graveyard. Because that's where dead people are, right? So, so what do we do if this is a timeless truth? We get to go into the graveyard. For us, the graveyard is the community. The graveyard is, is the community because the graveyard is full of people that need the love of Jesus Christ. See, there's a lot of people watching this right now that need the love of Jesus Christ. That's why people showed up early at my house to film this. That, that is why we're going out into the community. And for us, it's a digital community right now. But, but what's the why behind it? It's because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. My life has been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus changes everything. I live with resurrection hope every single day. Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed Paul's life. Jesus changed Janine's life. And so what do we do? We don't huddle up in our churches hoping to see a resurrection. No, we go to the graveyard praying to be used by God for resurrection purposes. And so my challenge to you is trend it. Trend it. You have a whole lot of people searching today. I'm going to ask that you would search the hashtag, hashtag Jesus changed my life. You're going to see social media flooded with testimonies, examples of how Jesus changed my life, how Jesus can change your life, how Jesus has changed lives of thousands and thousands of people. My challenge to you is trend it. So if Jesus has changed your life, take a one or two minute video, post it on your social media with this simple hashtag, Jesus changed my life. And if that ain't you, then simply search the hashtag, Jesus changed my life. And ask yourself, is Jesus still alive and well? Because through people, I believe the answer is yes. The sun has surely risen. In the church world, we would say he's risen indeed. <laughs> you can't stop him. Like I said at the beginning of this, I walk this every single day. And it's a reminder that all's not lost. It's a reminder that the God who did all of this can surely handle everything you have going on. And the biggest issue that you and I have is sin. The God who can do all of this is real can handle that and for those that know Jesus we are walking talking living breathing testimonies sing with me checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.